to this week's episode of D2C Coffee Shop. I'm Charlie. On this episode today, we have Colin and Barry. Some guys have been talking with on the internet for a long, long time. It'll be super fun to get them on the show. Now, you guys have already met Barry, uh, uh, who gifted us some wonderful ranch water. And, uh, well, let's just say there's not a lot left. And I really appreciate that. And Colin also, uh, well, we go back a long way. Colin is also in the Fantasy Football League, along with Dylan and with Rava. So we may or may not chop that up a little bit. But anyway... Uh, remember to subscribe to the channel so you don't miss any of these things and feel free to comment below with any of the stuff that you have please follow the two of us or the, the two of the guests here on the show today as always and don't be shy with anything share it to all your friends in the description below you'll also be able to find the links to them find the links to what it is they're doing find the links to be able to understand who they are and how you can follow them plus links to all of the previous episodes on black friday and attribution and some hot takes and all sorts of fun stuff but with that being said I'd like to start this off. This is DDC Coffee Shop, so I have my coffee. This is from Cafe Vita out of Seattle. And if you would like to sponsor this show, please DM me because right now uh, I'm just forking over for my favorite coffee, but I would love to have some of yours. And I think we can probably get a nice DDC coffee connection in here. But with that being said, without any further ado, let me bring forward Colin here. Hey, buddy, how you doing? What's going on? How are you? Thanks so much I, uh, for having me on. Absolutely, man. I will. Thanks for you know gracing us. This is this is great. You know, uh, I I really appreciate having you on. We've been talking for a while. Some sometimes we're in agreement about things. Sometimes we're not. And I think that's sure. one of the beauties of this stuff, right? And uh, it's also for what it's worth. Before we get everything else aside, how are you feeling about the fantasy football league? Uh, so for those of you that have been following the show, you know that there is this D to C shitcoin fantasy football league and uh right now shiba took a hit today so i don't know i was gonna say what's the shitcoin how are you feeling in the league my man because if i remember correctly you're like not doing terribly uh third third place right now uh i don't know it's okay like am i on mute oh no or is that just me did i just i don't know oh there you go okay yeah keep going all right um I feel okay. Like Alvin's, Alvin's been injured, which hasn't been great, but uh, you just got to make it to the playoffs. I mean, I've had many heartbreaking uh, fantasy losses. So get to the playoffs, see how it goes and uh, you know, get lucky. And hopefully the, hopefully Shib uh, goes back in the right direction. It was, what was it? 8,000 at one point And, Yes, yeah, I think at one point we had we had gotten up to 8K. For those of you that guys don't, for those of you that don't know, uh, this league we all bought in for a very modest amount of money, and then all of a sudden uh, Shiba Inu went up like 10,000 percent or something like that, and it's went from like oh we might win a couple hundred bucks to there's like 10 grand on the line or eight grand on the line, yeah. which was which is super fun. But from a cr- quick cursory view, I think you're like second in, or third in the league. Uh, you're doing fairly well. You're doing fairly well. I think you got more points of it. You had some rough, uh, some rough losses, I think. Yeah, I I have had some rough, rough losses. Although to be fair, everybody else that's watching, uh, the other folks from this league that you may have met, Dylan and Raba are in dead last and second place loser, as far as I'm concerned, uh, dead last and second to last. Although I'm in a three-way tie, including Raba, for that record. So I just got to score more points than everybody this week, and then I'll be in the playoffs. It'll be good. Although well, Sam You Thompson, got a good head start, so. I think so, yeah. And Sam Thompson and Nick Doran are just taking things away. So that's going to be 
like it'll be fun. With, with, before we get too far down that rabbit hole, um, let's bring on our other guest today. Everybody, you may have met him before, you may not, but he's a newly freed individual from the 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 constraints of the world. I'll let him talk all about it. Hey, Barry, welcome back to the show. <laughs> Thanks, Shirley. So, yes, I'm a, I am free uh, from from my agency overlords. It's good. I like it. I like good it. Good to um, be free. Yeah, I think um, you know you made this great post of like, Hey, you know what? I'm taking it in your hands. I'm, I'm going to be in control of my own destiny right now. This is going to be, this is going to be a good thing now. Yeah. So like, I mean, I love that you've taken that stuff on. You're still involved with the ranch water people. Yes. Yeah, still involved with ranch water. In fact, I've been working on it a bunch today. Got a lot going on there. Uh, so that's, that's fun. Keeping busy with that. But yeah. I, uh, do you want me to talk about it real quick? The, uh, I mean, you're sure you you it it. yourself. Yeah, no, I just, um, uh, I'm, I'm eager to like see what I can do where I'm not needed to be actually in platform every day running ads. I think uh, I add a lot of value beyond in advertising, beyond just like being the one flipping the switches every day. And I got kind of burnt out on that. So trying to reset uh, and eager to just, I'm working on building the relationships with a lot of people that need guidance and help and support to get their their ads in order but what they don't need is me being in there every day managing every ad like there's people that can do that perfectly well they just need my nudges so that's what i'm uh i want to be doing let's see if see if i can make some money doing it or not who knows set the set the strategy let other people pull the levers yeah yeah, yeah. and come you know there's a lot of people that already are doing that but they still need help because they don't they don't have the insight into other brands. I have sure. gotten to work on so many brands and, and see so many things go right and go wrong. Uh, that's a huge value that I provide that someone who's been at a brand and then another brand and another brand can't possibly have. Um, so it seems like people are interested. We'll see. Well, you spent a couple hundred million dollars. You've been around yeah. for a little while. <laughs> like, yeah. There's definitely a couple yeah. things to learn and, What's with Colin? You also run your own agency, right? Yep, yep, I do. Yeah, so uh, tell me a little bit about it. I, I, I was gonna try to introduce it, but I'm sure I'm gonna screw up the pronunciation, no matter what I go. So oh, why don't you let us know a little bit about it? Uh, yeah, so it's Tycoon Digital. Um, when we do the rebrand, I think it's gonna be a raccoon with a bow tie on it, so people know how to pronounce it. Okay. Um, nice. I gotta. I gotta. So, yeah. <laughs> Got a, got a raccoon over there? Oh, hey. I do, I do. <laughs> you can't really see it that well. But yeah, absolutely. Big fan. Um, yeah, so we're a, a small agency um, and do only paid advertising. Although I guess, you know, we technically do landing pages as well. Uh, and I was actually, I had that uh, thread today and like talk was talking to Ash and I was like, oh, this is actually something that not a lot of people do, which I didn't uh, expect. So uh, yeah, I mean, I've been doing advertising since 2010, like mostly Google uh, originally, but moved to doing Facebook as well. And I don't know, 2015, 2016, something like that. So, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a math guy. I like the math. I like the numbers. I know, Charlie, you're always, always talking data and data accuracy. So uh, we certainly, uh, certainly align on, on that for sure. Absolutely. Well, awesome. Well, before we get into too much, because I mean, Barry's got some patented hot takes. No, sorry, it's not patented. It's trademarked. Trademark. Hot takes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, my apologies. And Colin had some prepped. I, I love these. Like, I've been queued up some hot takes. But so before we get into that, and I think also, you know, we pulled the, we pulled the people, and the people really wanted to know 
about some testing stuff. So we'll get all of that. But one of the things that we try to do here, and I really love, is one of my favorite pieces, is favorite D2C brands right now. Um, and, and I'll go first with this thing. I pulled the trigger on and got lucky and got the last crumb. Now, I think it hurt Barry's soul to know that <laughs> I paid that much money for 12 I hate it. <laughs> but I will say this, the unboxing experience, the drop, the like FOMO and the product, like it completely mm -hmm. made it worth it. I highly recommend it. If you're the type of person where that's not going to put where like you can, you can do it. Um, I highly recommend it. Uh, and for what it's worth, I saw there was this thing last night or two days ago, maybe I know that some of us were maybe tagged in it where it was like, if you can't spend 15K a month or like you're spending 15K a month to launch a brand and people are just diversifying a bunch of monks, a bunch, amongst a bunch of different channels, how are you supposed to get a seven figure brand going? I was like, well, easy. Like there's a ton of ways of doing it. And, and Last Crumb, I think, is a great example of a brand that I sincerely doubt they're spending 15K a month on acquisition and paid media. And I sincerely doubt they're not making at least that on a regular drop basis. So last crumb, super delicious. The unboxing was great. I posted a video and was like my most popular reel on Instagram for like three months. Like I've been giving out how to spend money after like a couple, you know, hundred million dollars I spent in a profit. But me going nuts over some cookies, thousands and thousands and thousands more views. So at last crumb, I'll make sure to, to to post them and tag them into all this. But hey, Colin, what's a D to C brand like? Uh, I mean, you can do your own plug or just something you're really digging right now. So, uh, and this is a brand I guess that probably everyone's familiar with. Uh, but not only are they impressed with like the product, but like the team behind it, uh, Magic Spoon. Like those guys are fucking just everything that they do is incredible. Obviously, the cereal is pretty good. I'm a big cereal guy. Uh, it's uh, Reliving the, the childhood days of Captain Crunch scratching the roof of your mouth. Um, but, you know, in addition to obviously like a fun product, it's like the fun sort of cartoony vibe. Um, you know, their advertising is great. Their landing pages are great. Their email flows are great. Uh, you know, it's one of those brands where I'm just like, they're kind of doing everything right. And it's you know, not only an impressive product, but uh, impressive advertising, uh, even beyond like the digital advertising too. Like their, uh, their podcast shit is also awesome. So, oh, yeah. No, I see them on uh, on fantasy football podcast stuff all the time. I, I'm yeah. a big fan of it. Uh, yeah. What about what about uh, you, Barry? I, I think I've asked you this before, and I think you came prepared last time, and I'm kind of jumping it on you this time. But yeah, I'm what's not the prepared. Brand that's kind of got your uh, got your goat right now. Not prepared. Um, well, first, I just want to retort to your. Uh, I did bring a prop uh, about your cookie situation here. This oh, is nice. Levan in New York. Okay. There you go. These are this. Those are the that best cookies. Yes. Is a cookie. Okay, you don't. There's not. It's a little. It's like a holy crap. It's a meal. Yeah. It's a meal and a cookie. It's a, it it is. is a meal. You do not want to eat one of these on your own. But these. Nice big ones. I'll have three. <laughs> order a box of these, Charlie. Order a box of these. You'll you can get them shipped to you. There can you are. can oh. you drop a link in this for me so I can show oh. people how to get it? I will. Yeah, I'll, I'll FedEx I'll, you I'll some overnight. Uh, yeah, that's I think straight that's from did. the straight from the original bakery on uh, was Seventy Sixth Street on the west yeah, side. Yeah, I think all that's, right. that's how they do it. Yeah, I'm uh, sure. All right. Is. Well, I mean, that's yeah. almost DTC if you can just buy it directly from them. We'll take that. You know, yeah. uh, uh, <laughs> Dara. <laughs> like, is this a show about cookies? Sorry, Dara. It is kind of a show about cookies right now, just because like we're getting into it. By the way, Dara, love to have you on this show. We've been chatting back, and I'm super excited about 
us chatting with stuff. And I super respect. I don't know if you guys have seen Dara's stuff, but like, I love her. She's videos. a stud. She's Absolute the worst. Stud. She's the worst. Get her out of here. Kick her out. Can you kick her out? No, I love, I love Dara. I don't think I can boot anybody from a, from a YouTube. <laughs> from watching. Although my buddy Pat Mayo will say, banned for life. Even though he's like, I can't. Just deleting your comment. But yeah. Um, but I will say this. I, I do want to call it a D2C, D2C brand. If we can call purple a D2C brand. Uh, sure. Not a new. Not not new. Um, but not I've made small. my like, I've made like my fourth or fifth purchase now from them. My second mattress. I bought sheets. So I'm, I, I've been a big fan of that, that brand, uh, their products. Really, I'm a fan of their products. A classic yeah. example of a brand where they have a great brand. But their products are the most important thing to me. I'm not loyal to them because of their brand. I'm loyal to them because of their terrific products. So there you go. Oh, I love it. I love it. I, I got to say, um, I have a purple mattress. Um, oh, yeah. We and, talked and, about this and, a little bit. Yeah. And I love it. I, I actually got my purple mattress at the Build to Break event back in 2017, I think, the 2018, wow. when, they when we, we introduced all the case studies around the Power Five. And it was mm -hmm. like the Facebook disruptor, the first meeting of all the disruptor brands. Mm -hmm. And um, there's this thing that Purple did at all the disruptor meetings. It's basically like at some point, the you know, the Facebook guy, usually it was Cheaty, would go up to the front of the stage. At a couple of them, they've done this. And he's like, all right, everybody, we have a question, blah, blah, blah. Who wants to, you know, come up and tell us what they've learned today? And my boss at the time, like, shoved me forward because I'm in the front. We're in the front row. And, like, I have no problem taking attention. <laughs> and, like, not at all. And so they just shoved me forward and I went up on stage just like, oh, yeah. And I just basically repeated everything that was said and kissed the ass of the FMP that we were there with and all sorts of stuff. And they were like, well, hey, thank you so much, blah, blah, blah. They got their nice little quote. And by the way, our nice friends at Purple are just going to make sure that you get home, you know, you get one. And I made wow. great friends with their digital team. And the woman that was in charge right here. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And, and the uh, the woman that was in charge of it at the time, phenomenal. We've been we've remained friends ever since. Mm -hmm. A great, great company. But yeah, uh, when they give you the free one, uh, I did get the California King. Uh, with like, oh, oh yeah, I went ham and uh, it was 100% worth it. It's now been in three. It was literally 80% of the size of my bedroom and I was living alone, just me and my dog. And we had a cat, like it was palatial. I'll just put it that way. So Once big, big fan of King. You, you can't do anything else. It's yeah. What am I supposed to do? Like I go on, like I'm going to Big Bear this weekend and like, are they going to have a queen mattress? Am I going to have to like struggle like it's terrible it makes me feel horrible like i went on vacation with my wife we went to uh we went to the west village right or the east, we went to the west village and it's like this nice joint and like i was like oh man luxury bed but mm. it's like it's hard to get to sleep that first night because i've just ruined i've been destroyed like i just can't have nice things mm. anymore because it's not like elite i don't know whatever those, yeah. these are these are these are my problems once you live on a purple mattress going anywhere that doesn't have one is a downgrade same same yeah. by the way with a bidet i had this conversation <laughs> on twitter on twitter the other day like if you own a bidet at home or two uh you know going to uh, on what, a one for the left side doesn't... one for the right why do you yeah, have two yeah, bidets? Front, front, and, front and back no fair enough <laughs> no no uh you get the, get the like, toto go... washlet yeah exactly i do those japanese <laughs> toilets i have one uh, but going to uh, going on a nice luxury vacation and they don't have a luxury uh, bidet, you're like, oh, you know what? My home, uh, my home's better. I can't wait to go back home, uh, which is a weird thing. And it's just like it makes coming home feel extra special. Yeah. And there you go. Extra special all over. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I like it. It's funny. I was out. What's that? I was going to say the Barry stamp of approval on the bidet. There you go. There you go. In case oh, anybody I, was wondering. I would love, I've contemplated repeatedly quit, like quitting past jobs to go into business selling bidets. I think that I could change America myself if I had the helm of a bidet company. If, if only you were doing this companies. two years ago. Imagine the market, like the market share you could have if you were on it like December 2019 in the bidet biz. Oh. <laughs> I I think I could still get into the luxury bidet biz. Luxury bidet. Because I don't Dude, like those I believe cheap, in you. Those cheap ones, I don't like them. I don't like them. Yeah, you got to get in the good ones. The ones that have the firework show and like yeah. the music. Like, congratulations. Yeah. Those, those, uh, <laughs> those Japanese toilets that sing, uh, sing to you. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. Well, that's hey, I, I love it. I, I think this is just lends us perfectly into like some stuff here. So with, with hot takes and things, because also like, I feel like some people are just like, no, I will never mm. do the bidet thing. Like, I, I think like it, it's so intrinsic, but I, I want to get into some stuff here because hot take. I, I the, the hot takes because because honestly in the back channel when we were talking and I saw like even in the promotion for this thing Colin was like oh yeah I'm talking to Google reps and I'm writing hot takes so like I would love to know like let's dive right into it if we can get into you know our H O T T we're just gonna go ahead and borrow that trademark for a second here Barry if you don't mind with some oh, hot wow. takes. All, All right, right. we're allowed to doing this this time. Okay, so uh, why don't you take us away on a hot take you have queued up here, Colin? Uh, you, you you came prepared for it, so let's let's dive in. I mean, sure. I mean, this is a, the horse I've been on for a while. Um, as you all know, I'm a, a Google guy originally. Uh, I've been working on Google since uh, the days where they showed us keywords. Um, you know, and let's just say the Google, the team at Google, I know, does not like me. Um, because I'm, I'm pretty outspoken against kind of the things that they've been doing. Um, and the thing with like Google, right, is that they, uh, well, the hot take is uh, Google's fucking advertisers um, and like actively doing so. And I don't even think that's a hot take. I just think that's the truth, right? Um, like Google is basically almost the complete opposite of Facebook in that like it's demand capture, not demand gen. And like, the way that you capture traffic is by like sculpting it to the right places, knowing what people are searching for, making sure that you're showing up for those things. Like it's a completely, like, yes, it's also digital advertising, completely different platform. Uh, and Google's just making it ever harder to do that because it eats into their margins, right? Like your profitable advertising, your profit margin is their loss. Uh, and it just, it really pisses me off that like every year they're always like taking more steps to like take stuff away from advertisers. Uh, and eventually I think they're going to try to crush the middleman agencies because they're like, oh, that uh, that 10% of ad spend that you're taking, that's 10% for us. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's every year, they change it every year. Um, and, you know, they, they don't like when I say that, uh, you know, I say that to the reps too. And then somehow I get reassigned to new reps uh, pretty oh. frequently. <laughs> Like this call is being monitored and recorded. I'm like, great. Let me tell you how I really feel about the shit you're rolling out. Um, so yeah, that's my that's my Google hobby horse right there. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I I gotta tell you, I inherently I feel like these platforms don't want to fuck you because like that's bad for their business. But also I feel like. 
it's really hard to believe in a system that's that mature, that also has the functionality to effectively make the middleman obsolete to not want to pursue that as a, as a business motive. Like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, they want to make more money, right? And like the money we make is money they want to make. So absolutely. like logically, that's why they do it. And like, it's true of the advertisers too, right? Like they want advertisers to have the minimal acceptable return for them to keep advertising. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, they don't want them to get a 10 X return. They want them to get the minimal return that they were, are willing to accept to continue advertising. Cause that's more money for the platforms. I mean, it's, it's perfectly logical, right? Like it makes perfect sense. Yeah, if I'm 4Xing my search campaign or if I'm getting two and a half on YouTube, but everybody's complaining that Facebook's only giving me a 1.3, like, why not charge me a double the CPF? Like, yeah, there's headroom. Yeah, that's what they wanted. They would squish it down and uh, more more profit for them. I mean, like I said, it makes perfect sense, but, uh, you know, it, it feels bad when you're getting squeezed. Absolutely. What about you, Barry? How do you feel about the Google situation? Uh, I, I don't really work with Google, but the same, it's the same with Facebook often. I haven't felt that strongly in a while. Uh, I definitely haven't had the feeling in a long time where I felt like a Facebook rep was like not happy that we were taking a cut of spend. Uh, like that's been a long time. It's been a long time since I felt that way. I've definitely felt that way before. Um, but they also kind of need us, but they also kind of don't. It's it's such a weird double-edged sword for them because like they don't want to be doing and they can't be doing the day-to-day -day support that we provide, but also they are like, you guys are doing too much. If only you listened to us and simplified things the way that we told you to, your in-platform metrics would be incredible. But the problem is. They don't understand out-of-platform metrics. They only understand in-platform metrics. And they, they're, so, like, they're programmed to make things just whatever is the easiest. So, like, for Facebook and Google, it's spend more on brand. Spend more on your existing audiences, the people that are already going to buy. Because that's the stuff that shows you the highest return. So, it's all baloney. Uh, so, you know, and they, the worst part for me... Uh, at least for Facebook reps is just, they don't, they think they're right all the time. They always think they're right. And they have such small gaps of tolerance for them possibly being wrong. And that's infuriating to me. Any, I, I don't tolerate people that talk like that or work like that. Really. I, any, pretty much anything I do, I have an expectation that I might be wrong about something I and I, but they believe so confidently and they think they have the data to support it, but it's usually data that's been completely borked by or biased by something else. So I don't know, Charlie, I'd love, I'd love to hear your thought on that. Or should I yeah. give my hot take? Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, I, I love that. And, and, and I'll try to make it tight so we can get to your hot take because Lord knows I can fucking talk for 45 minutes about this shit. <laughs> uh, but like, I'll say this, like one, I definitely think that most Facebook reps and you see the same thing with the Google reps, although I think the inherent culture of each business is different. Yeah. Where I think Google is very predatory. Facebook is more ignorant. And what I mean by that right. is Facebook is a less mature platform. I mean, we are now sitting in the Facebook universe where Google was in 2009. The metaverse, like just, metaverse. 
sorry my apologies my apologies the 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 metaverse with a with a yeah with the facebook tags or meta whatever i tried to make a joke it didn't yeah, work. The, the google uh, ads platform is 20 years old so yeah, yeah. like the google that's why ads we're all platform meeting can drink legally yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know so like my point is that it feels drunk sometimes that's for damn sure yeah so there's I think the Google platform is really mature in that they understand how to use it. And they're really focusing on the bottom line of margin, whereas the Facebook platform is still really immature. Like there's a lot of edges to the system. And it's really like we see it. Like, for instance, I wish the tech support on automated rules was up there. Like I remember two years ago, automated rules, when you try to use them, still said powereditor.facebook.com. And it was like, I haven't edited my Facebook ads with an Excel spreadsheet in seven years, but I still when I do ed- automated rules. It still looks like an offer ad UI, which by the way, the offer ads still exist. And the UI looks is nine years old and it's hilarious how bad it is. But like, they're just clearly trying to keep up with things. And I think as a point, the Google reps are taught a very different motive than the Facebook reps are. And also I think that the Facebook reps, there's an inherent, I think there's an inherent sort of like smugness to a lot of the, of of a Google rep versus a Facebook rep, where I think a Facebook rep, they mean well, but the people that are really good as reps have started their own agencies, have gotten out of the base. Like Dylan, for instance, Dylan was a Facebook rep. When I met Dylan, he was three months out of leaving Facebook to start his own thing. I mean, that was years and years ago, but he was a Facebook rep. And there, so there's this thing where they're hiring people out of college, training them to do it a certain way. And mm-hmm. they mean well, they just legitimately don't know any better. And you can see yeah. how they're trying to expand in that they now have these like marketing experts that all work out of some agency in Phoenix or in yeah, Detroit. They're all, they're all from Accenture. They all work for Accenture. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so the point with that is they're not even technically really Facebook employees. And they're all reaching out to people that are spending 200 bucks a day, 300 bucks a day. And they're all like, oh, I got a rep. But you have a 23-year-old salesperson in a satellite office that's not even directly connected. Yeah. But Facebook's trying to basically outsource it. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the only- is the same fucking thing. It's from like tele-whatever. Uh, yeah. Like nice at Google email. You don't fucking work for Google. You're two months of training. Yeah, I I can't stand. I can't. I the fact that they get to be called experts. I it makes me want to just. I I do terrible unspeakable things. Well, it's like a sandwich artist. Like okay, look, I got it. You started. You're sixteen. You got a job at Subway. You're an artist of sandwich. That's a fun name. But at least they have experience doing sandwich. They're not sandwich experts. They haven't been making sandwiches for years <laughs> and trying different types and failing. They're not experts. Okay. That's a huge difference. An artist, you can be an artist and suck. If it was Facebook Absolutely. ads artist, I'd be like, okay, whatever. Maybe you'll paint something nice. Maybe you'll suck. But they're called experts. So people yeah. listen to them because of that. It's genius, but it's also so maddening. I, I yeah. can't. I need to do my own video about this topic. I'm like, uh, yeah, you, so you, mad. you should. By the way, Barry's got a great YouTube channel, and I hope you get some subscribers. And hey, we'll try to link that down That's in good. the thing. So I make sure we get you some people, my man. Get you That's some good. plays. You know what I mean? Thanks. All two uh, videos. With, I need to put some more. <laughs> you do need to put in some more work, but hey, look, that's fine. Uh, look at my look at my buddy uh, Canell from uh, Steve Canell from um, from Think Media. He's really great at, at teaching people how to get this stuff going. I met him on on Clubhouse like a year ago, and it was awesome. phenomenal. I'm sure you can ask uh, Dara. 
Like, there you yes, go. I, I believe me, I uh, will be uh, definitely taking uh, some notes from her. There you go. There you go. Well, with that being said, because we can talk about that all the time. Uh, Barry, you look queued up for something here, my man. So, like, you were asking about, can I drop a hot take? A Barry oh, yeah. hot take. TM. It's a, yeah, it's a hot take. Hot I think TM. you you probably have already said, Charlie, in the past. Um, sure. I've, I've upset a lot of people. You've said a lot. You've said a lot of uh, uh, hot takes. So th- this one, uh, I'm going to just really pitch out there. Uh, click-through rate is the most important thing. I'm just kidding. Click-through rate is trash. Click-through rate is completely irrelevant on Facebook ads. Um, it is or 99% irrelevant, right? If you want to look at two similar ads and compare their click-through rate, okay. But if you're trying to compare the click-through rate or CPC or CPM of any two ads or concepts or pretty much anything, you are wasting your time. CTR and many other metrics and many other rates, other things that you can look at in Facebook are very dependent on the placement and the audience or the segment of the audience that your ad is being delivered to. So if you have an ad that slightly skews to an older audience or slightly skews to a younger audience, just naturally, Facebook's going to deliver those ads more to those younger, older people, those male or female users, and those users maybe spending more time on Instagram or more time on Facebook mobile or whatever. Each of those variables, particularly placement, increases or decreases things like click-through rate. And it doesn't matter because Facebook is optimizing to your conversion goal. Assuming you're optimizing to conversions, which you should be, Facebook's going to optimize to that conversion goal. CTR be damned. It doesn't matter. And I encourage anyone who is listening to this and is like, that's a hot take. That's stupid. Go into your ads and ad sets, whatever, and go do a a placement breakdown. Go and do an age and gender breakdown and look at the variance in CTRs for each of those. And you'll see you're not spending evenly across every age. You're not spending evenly across every uh, placement. Your Facebook is optimizing to each of those and they have different conversion rates, different CTRs, and it doesn't matter because Facebook is going to allocate to whatever gets you the most efficient conversions. And sometimes it might be on Instagram feed, which has a worse CTR. Sometimes it might be on Facebook desktop, which has a higher CTR. But just because one is a higher CTR than the other doesn't mean you should then try to manually force budget to those. This is like, has been sitting on me so long and I need to do a longer think piece video about this because I see so many advertisers asking about like what's a what's a benchmark ctr and i just want to like flip my desk uh it's irrelevant i don't even have a benchmark ctr for my own ad accounts like it's not a thing don't so like you knowing what my ctr is doesn't matter and optimizing to it is just going to make you do worse and i think there are a lot of advertisers out there who see an ad that they're running has a low CTR and they shut it off before it has a chance to do well. And it was probably doing really well on Instagram feed or something like that. And they shut it off too soon because of CTR. Hot take done. I bet it is that. crazy to look at the, uh, the co- the age breakdowns on CTRs. If you ever look like uh, that over 65 CTR is always like 6%. Uh, yeah. 
and, and comes with like a two hundred dollars CPM to match, but uh, it doesn't matter because he got that uh, six six percent uh, CTR. Well, well, I, I will say this: I think CTR is important mm-hmm. as an idea. It is important sure. because people came from email and Google. They were trained to think that this thing is of value. Mm-hmm. Let me, I'm going to make a different argument because I 100% agree. I would say CTR is irrelevant. CPC is irrelevant. CPMs yeah. are irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah. All same, of that same, same. is, all of that is inventory and demand based platform thinking. Right. So that is programmatic. That yeah. is email. That yeah. is search. Mm-hmm. Nothing to do with an optimized CPM environment. And here's Correct. my counterpoint to your CTR. I want a low one. A low CTR is actually a sign of great health. Here's why. CTR, it's a rate. How do we figure out a rate? Well, it's a fraction. It's a numerator divided by a denominator. Now, CTR says my numerator is fairly close to my denominator. If my ad is good, for instance, I made a say for let's say not even ad, let's say organic content, because ads are basically just organic that you're paying for. Say your Instagram reel gets 10 views or a thousand views. If you mm-hmm. get maybe eight comments on it and eight likes on 10 views, mm-hmm. that's an 80% rate. Mm-hmm. But if your content is so good that it gets shown to many more people, your rate mm-hmm. drops dramatically. And it becomes a unit economics game. Would you rather have a 1% click-through rate on an ad that with a $30 CPM mm-hmm. or a 0.5% CTR on an ad with a $10 CPM? My argument is the CTR is actually unhealthy if it's super high because it means that I'm only showing the ads to the absolute best people. And above and beyond that, if my CTR is over two, that's a giant alarm bell to me that like, Maybe the reason it's super active is because that person is getting so engaged. And I've noticed when you try to do like UTM analysis, which I don't recommend you look at UTMs. I would never manage my Facebook ads to a, to, to a UTM. Like that's a whole other thing. But the overlap between a high CTR ad and other platforms taking credit for a sale is massive. You want a really great CTR? Show your ad to everybody that opened an email today. Your CTR is going to be fucking amazing. And you are going to make zero extra dollars. Uh, yeah. On the other chance, you go and take this ad, you go broad, and you hit like, you know, 200 million people with a 0.8 CTR. And you're yeah. the only metric that actually matters, your cost per monetizable result mm-hmm. might, be ten, might be three times better, might be five times better. I, I So for me, when I'm looking at these metrics, the only thing that really matters is, I put out money today. How much money did I get back? CPM, CTR, CPC, those are nice. It's a great way to like make me feel good. But none Is of it? those. Well, here's I mean, the thing. Very, they're diagnostic variables that do go into the They're end not result. anymore. So like they're not anymore though. But like ultimately it is a math equation, right? And like those are variables that go into the math equation for the results. No, it's I it mean, is like it's it is, but they're it's, in it the math equation. Like right, of course, of course they are, but you don't. But it's not a it's not symbolic of of a lot of uh, like we, we get asked these questions all the time, like why oh CPMs are up or are you seeing CPMs up? And I'm like, I don't who fucking cares? Like maybe, 
because like yeah maybe someone else is spending more maybe a lot of other brands are spending more maybe their uh, facebook maybe some asshole their... like me is dropping two million on your interest yeah. group just to get market research yeah. and you're trying to make a yeah. sale and i don't need to make any fucking dime at all yeah totally exactly. doing that there's, with cbs 100 but also like the same thing goes like facebook we know that facebook changed instagram story ads a couple months ago so that now you can users can see two ads in a row in instagram stories like there there are variables at play here like yeah now there's just more impressions available maybe because it was things were so competitive that they released that we don't like yeah we can look at cpms going up but be, again because of using automatic placements and multiple placements your your ads might be just shifting how they're being delivered and Facebook might be finding more effective ways to deliver them on less CPM efficient placements and platforms, or your ads are changing. Like there's so many variables that like saying your CPMs are increasing over time. I hear, I know it's a function, but it's also like, unless you're neutralizing just to look at CPM per individual placement, even then it's not really that useful because you're, you're varying how much you're spending on those placements as well. Like it's not a flat, easy thing to measure. I just don't, it's not helpful to anyone. It's not. I would disagree. Um, I don't think it's something you should be optimizing against. Right. right. But ultimately like the cost of the advertising plays into what your return is going to be. And obviously there are other variables like, how many actions they're taking, like what your conversion rate is, what your average order value is. So there, it is a, the many variables that go into this equation. It is still, however, the ultimate like starting cost. Um, and if the cost is higher, the other metrics have to be better as well. And that's not just, I mean, this is why when you're running right. conversion campaigns, your CPM is much higher because Facebook knows these people are fucking buyers. They're going to buy your shit. And so your CPM is going to be higher because the competition is higher because these are the people you actually want to target because they're paying for shit, right? Um, and so like that, it is part of the overall equation. Um, it makes it more important for other metrics as well. Like you can't isolate any individual variable really in this sort of calculation, but it's something that you certainly want to take a look at. Like if your CPM is $50 and your conversion rate or your average order value or your CTR doesn't go in a positive direction, your return is going to go down. Um, obviously, it is a complex network, um, especially on Facebook side of things to make it work. But um, it's still something that I think you should be looking at, uh, but not focusing too much on. And I think a lot of people probably, I mean, Charlie's example is perfect, right? Like, definitely you take the lower CTR on the one third CPM. Like that's just easy from a math standpoint. Like the, the output is better. Like you're getting more traffic, uh, you know, obviously assuming similar traffic quality, right? You're getting more traffic for, for less money. Like it makes perfect sense, but that's still two variables that go into it that are worth looking at. Well, let me, let me just step in here for a second. Cause I think honestly, both of your views here totally make sense in, in where you're coming from, from the mentality of, of your position. I'm going to challenge both of them. Let's go. My point is none of it is actionable. Right. Therefore, it's not a value. So well, hold on a second. So That's here's what I'm the saying. thing. Here's the thing. In a conversion campaign where I'm bidding for lowest cost, Facebook is optimized as an environment to deliver me a consistent result. 
mm-hmm. on the event that I'm pushing for, which is a pixel right. event fire. Yes, it is a it is a Black Sabbath shirt. Uh, from <laughs> uh, this is actually a custom shirt from uh, Gimme Danger, Gimme Danger LA on Instagram. If somebody wants to tag that, I will put you on the thing. If you want to get a shout out, go for it. Uh, I will gladly put your comment in. Uh, so yes, it's a Black Sabbath shirt because fuck yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, with that being said, it's an optimized CPM environment. It's a conversion campaign trying to drive a conversion objective, in this case, a, a purchase. So Facebook is ultimately going to try to deliver you a consistent result of lowest cost for that purchase event, while ultimately prioritizing the end user experience. What that means is some ads will appeal to certain users and some ads will appeal to certain placements. Because remember, every ad is a web page and Facebook you know, measures that engagement, however it does, you know, bounce rate, bounce rate, click through rate, engagement rate, all of that stuff, the estimated action rate of your ad. And although uh, the Facebook rep that was working for writing the case studies for the disruptor group that didn't realize he was working on my case studies that I spent on was like, no, 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 ads don't make lookalike audiences. And 100% yes, they do. Uh, we, I was just talking about a thing about teaching it. And, and he was like, no, no, you can't make a lookalike audience from an ad. And I was like, that's not what I'm talking about. Anyway, the point here is, Sorry, that was an aside. Whatever. I'm going to try to get that guy on so we can talk. Uh, Anyway, the the aside here is when we're talking about this, ultimately, the only thing that's actionable is the cost per desired result. Yeah. And if you want to optimize the system, the only real two levers you have is to reduce your base CPM, the initial CPM in the equation that is then modified by your estimated action rate and your advertiser score and all of that. And then also to adjust your ad, right? To ultimately try to get an ad that appeals to a different audience. Either if you want to to scale your investment, you find an ad that appeals to a different market segment. Or if you want to increase your efficiency with your ad, which is my opinion, the most important thing when you want to scale, is don't scale your spend, a scale the output for the money that you're spending so that you then provide headroom uh, to increase your spend. Like if you're getting sales for 10 bucks a pop at $100, don't try to keep it at 10 and then go to 120. That's way harder than in just improving your efficiency by 20%. Way easier to improve your efficiency than maintain efficiency at higher spend level. My point to this is CTR, CPC, CPM, the only actionable thing there is, can I get a cheaper audience? And can I find an ad that drives my results in a more desirable fashion? And the number one way of moving that needle outside of going to a bigger, cheaper audience, which is effectively broad, which is, you know, 90%. I don't have a single campaign. I don't have a single account that doesn't go broad. Um, although my control campaigns didn't have a broad, a stack lookalike. I might even have some retargeting in there. Somebody caught me mentioning that. And I was like, yeah, well, I do have an account with 186 million. since August last year, we have two tar- retargeting audiences. That was I me. Teach that yeah. So it's like, <laughs> call me out on it. Fair enough. And I appreciate that. Uh, but that's a luxury problem for most people that they just don't ever need to deal with. But my point is, you get the cheapest audience you can and you get the best ad that you can. And the output of everything else is a distraction from solving those, yeah. either of those problems. Those are the only two levers you have. Cheaper inventory, better quality product. And in this case, our product is a user experience to the Facebook consumer because uh, their business model is eyeballs for profit. Right. So my right. point is 
if we're looking at CTR, we're looking at CPC or CPM, what's the action here? Well, what if I'm going to say, okay, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to focus these ads only to stories and I'm only going to get this one to this place. Right. And what happens right. if 20% of your budget, and I see this mistake people like people make the mistake all the time, like even with lookalike audiences or Facebook versus Instagram or anything else. So like, right. well, my lookalike is working so much better than my broad. Yeah. Why am I spending right. abroad? Or they say, well, my Instagram is working 80% better than this other yeah. thing. Why is it only spending 20% of the money? It's like, yeah. It's getting that efficiency because of the equation of bid equals budget and estimated action rate. If you only have to spend 20% of the money, then you're going to acquire a lower percentage of the overall conversions, but you're going to do it at a far more efficient rate. What you're doing is you're managing to the blend. So the idea of trying to get to any of these metrics that aren't cost per result means that you're ultimately going to try to take an action which inhibits the efficiency of the platform. And in my opinion, that starts you down a very slippery slope that creates more work yep. that ultimately is predicated on the idea that you're smarter than the platform and sends you down this thing that will, at the end of the day, increase your CPMs. Like, yep. Well, well, the truth is when, you, when you're like, oh, that Instagram was pulling, go, doing really well. Let me pull it out and serve it individually. Inevitably, it's dog shit, right? Yeah. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't work. Um, it, just, right. it doesn't work. Um, I, I would say that like you're hundred percent right on the creative and like the ad quality standpoint. And I think that is ultimately the most, well, I would say like one of the two most important things. The other thing is obviously off platform. And that is how good the page you're taking them to is how well that converts. And that is, um, cause like ultimately like when someone clicks on an ad, like they're a warm lead, like they've expressed interest. Sure. And now it's on you to make sure that, you monetize that interest right. properly. And yeah. like, that's not a Facebook thing. That's a you thing. Like that's a, your, yeah. that's your product. That's your landing page. That's like how fast your site loads. Like that's the other yeah. half of the equation that I think a lot of people forget is that like the traffic is just one component. What happens when the traffic leaves Facebook? Like yep. that's all on you. No, totally. I, I, I 100% agree with that. And, and, I think that maybe that will segue us into the last thing I want to talk about today, which was testing. But I'll finish with this on that point. Facebook or any test, any time you're trying to improve something, there is guesswork and there's the scientific method. Everybody that I teach in my programs and my clients and my students, like shout out to MBA program if you want to know how to run Facebook ads. Uh, uh, if you know what you're doing, but you want to be elite, I got a thing for that. Not trying to do too much of a shout out, but my point is, if you make the system a constant, then you can test it to improve it. So if you want to make a better landing page and be able to test what happens when you got this this uh, bottleneck, how do I improve that bottleneck by adjusting that landing page experience, that after the click experience? You can't also change the source of traffic, so you right. can't be changing the ads, the audiences, the bidding, all of that stuff, and then also legitimately try to determine whether or not your offer, your landing page, your email flow, your whatever well, it is that you're doing after the fact, because you're adjusting three variables, five variables in an equation. And say you're right. Say say you have a better result. Which, thing which variable it? was it? Exactly. So my point is get Facebook down to a control element that is a constant and then test yeah. one thing. If you work on every month getting a bit better. If you get 50% better every month, in six months, you're going to be 20% better than if you 10x tomorrow. 
from where you're at today. And every single day is going to be 20% better. So my point is, instead of trying to chase down audiences and hacks and all of this other stuff, <laughs> get it down to literally one thing, improve yeah. that one thing, like the concept yeah. was Kaizen, right? And then like that 1% better, right? That's how you get that 50% over the month and all that fun stuff. If you can do that with in a repeated fashion, you can then send a higher volume of higher quality, very similar people into a user experience. And then mm -hmm. you're legitimately testing what happens after the click because your email flow, everybody looks the same. The lookalike audience, everybody saw the same ads. They went to the same landing page. They had the same experience. So what happens when you then create a test against those people and send them down the same thing and test your email flow? The, the, the source and at what happens afterwards, much higher quality integrity of data because you're not chasing five variables. Mm -hmm. And so ultimately, I think that's what this gets down to is I think these are all very important things. However, any one of those that makes my Facebook system have more than one variable is something that is a distraction to me making an improvement. At the end of the day, directional improvement is far better than me feeling good when I hit refresh on my dashboard. And that's, the, yeah. the, that's like the proper way to test, right? Is testing one thing um, yep. at a time. Uh, and the other thing too, right? Is like people don't, I guess, understand the power of like exponential like growth. And then like it's small improvements over more iteration cycles. Like if you can do like 20 or 30 iteration cycles that are a 5% improvement each time, like that is much more powerful than, as you say, like 10 xing once. Like it's, sure. it's more consistent. It's more stable. Like it's just a better way to do it. Like iterative improvement is really kind of the, the way you have to do it. And like you can sometimes have like specific tests that perform really well. And you get like a bigger jump. But ultimately, it's the number of cycles that you're running that is kind of the most important component. Yeah. And, and, the, quality, and the quality of that. Well, can I? And then, by uh, the way, that, that's a that's a nice little hint to not use ABO, because it means <laughs> that now you have another variable. Anyway, Barry, go for it. So the, there's a there's something kind of icky to me about what you all talk, and I agree with with, with what you said, obviously. But uh, as someone who's done a lot of landing page tests, not to discredit you guys, you guys do it as well, I'm sure. Um, what kind of kept, keeps me up at night sometimes about landing page testing when you do keep everything else the same? is that you're, you are actually not keeping everything the same. Because if you're using broad audiences, right, and you're driving users with the same ads and no other variables to a landing page, but your landing page changes, the way that users convert... Wait, one sec, one sec. Just, so I can, just so I can define something really quick. When you're saying your landing page changes, you're using one URL and then a tool like yeah. Optimizely or VWO yeah, yeah, yeah. to route them to yeah. different sections. I just want yeah. to make sure that people are watching. That's what we're talking yeah. about. Don't run multiple ads to different landing pages and then oh, think God. you have any validity in your data. <laughs> but for the purpose of testing, so many people do that and they just don't realize that that is fundamentally wrong. So I'm, just okay, want to make sure yeah, we're on the I'm, same page. Oh, wait, wait. Let me talk about that for one second. I'm okay with having a net new page and just not cleanly A-B testing it and just like if I know the ad already works and just throwing it to a different page and see if that works, yeah, I'll just throw that in there and see how it goes. If I'm not... It's not going to give me clean, perfect results, but if it crushes, it crushes. If it fails, sure. it fails. If it's sure. somewhere in between, then I'll maybe do a finer A/B test. That's I would do that more for like varying pages, not not incremental changes, not iterative testing. You're doing concept not, testing, not right. Exactly, a totally yeah. different concept. But okay, so let's say I make a pretty big change to my landing page, design-wise, right, or content-wise, uh, and let's just say maybe I have more female 
uh, model in, in the images uh, now. The audience, the, the people that react to that are, is going to change. The people that Facebook sees converting is going to change. And the way that Facebook optimizes that is going to change over time. So you really actually don't have a perfect uh, variable list thing because Facebook itself is shifting ages, genders, placements, even when you think that it's it's an isolated uh, variable. It's actually truly not. And I've seen that happen in testing where over time the, 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 the A starts losing to B because it starts figuring it out. But also, it, there's just so many other things there that kind of can get icky, especially if you use like weighted uh, weighted testing. Uh, there's, there's just so many variables when you actually really dig in deeper to that external out of Facebook testing um, and the things that you can do. And have to you have to remind yourself that when that data gets back to Facebook, the optimizations can shift and change you're not on stable ground. So sure. Yeah. If you have, for instance, a dark mode VSL, and then you take somebody to like a color changing product image with a long form, like essay, like testimonial, like, like you have to scroll until you see the button. Like those are very different user experiences. Yeah. And same thing with ads, right? I was talking about placements and ages, but even different ads might start to pop off better as they are more or less re relevant to the landing page. Although I am not a guy who's going to shout from the rooftops, make sure your landing pages match your ads in content or in style. I don't think that is a good uh, uh, scalable directive. I think a lot of people- Yeah, speaking, speaking of which, Purple, when you clicked on their ads that had Tim and Eric, it still went to just purple.com. <laughs> oh, did it? Have you been to yeah. the Purple like sub site that they have for- Tim Oh yeah, no, I, believe oh, okay. I, I was there. Like okay. I had very long conversations with their director of growth for a long period of time and just- that's funny. We checked a couple things out. Yeah. I hope they AB, you know, like they might have AB. They did. Like they did. You they might were. have a good enough ad and you might not need to ship people in sure. to watch the rest of that content to for it to work. I don't I don't know. Yeah, um, I mean, like Magic Spoon doesn't do direct cart links on most of their I mean, I was talking to Ash. He was like linking it to me today. And like it actually goes back to the product page instead of like a direct cart link. I'm sure the AB tested it. And like that's the other oh. thing too, right? Is uh I mean, I haven't seen that work in stuff that I've done, but like, I know that they didn't just do it on a whim, right? Like, sure. The, I mean, I don't trust that. I like, <laughs> I've seen so many landing page tests that were just done haphazardly and also so few things that were tested, like that they're like, they just do and they leave that way and they didn't test into, but they just saw like ritual or athletic greens or whoever did it so like oh if they did it we can just trust that they tested it. i will absolutely attest to running d2c landing page tests where all we did was conquesting landing page design we're basically we're just like what are five brands that we like cool let's steal all of their flow and then uh run our ads to it and see what works best i've 100 percent yeah. done that you Work know with other uh, people's money what, hey look I... they're a hundred million dollar company we're a 20 million dollar company Fuck them. We're going to steal everything. Exactly. Absolutely. I can't tell you how many lessons I've learned just by ripping off tech style. Like, they're good. They're Fabletics, good company. Why not steal everything? You know, I'm currently in the process of doing that right now. Somebody is fun, have, you ever fun, have you ever thought about the fun ways that you can, like, counter that? Like, I think about 
I I worked with a brand, a pretty uh, whatever it doesn't matter, a brand who their ads would uh, trigger certain experiences and tests based on UTMs that were passed sure. on Facebook, right? But someone who is trying to steal their ads would only be able to know that, not from ad library. They'd only be able to experience that if they got served the actual ad as a paid impression, if because of how we set up the UTMs. So people were, who were trying to spy on and steal their landing page style would often actually steal an unoptimized landing page. And I love that so that's much. That's fantastic. Like, it wasn't... the best way to get around that espionage? Just have the lady working at the counter or like the person running your customer service team. Like what we used to do, we had this like 22 year old girl that worked the front desk at this office. And we would run every creative test by her and all the landing page stuff. Whatever she liked, one eighty percent of the time, even if every other person in the room that had done a billion in revenue completely disagreed, because yeah, she got the most, cool. she got the most natural experience. Because she's a woman, fourteen to thirty-five or whatever, eighteen to thirty-five. Like, what's a more monetizable audience than that? Like, right? Just interesting. Also, part. not a marketer, probably. You know, like, no, not at all. Not at all. No. Right. She was like the cousin of the brand manager and just like, okay, cool. Christina works the front desk. Awesome. We have somebody we can trust. I, it's like I, mean, I, I run, run my, by my girlfriend because she buys yeah. everything through Instagram ads. Like, yeah, there you go. Everything that comes to our house that she purchases, it was from an Instagram ad. I'm like, can you take a look at this? Let me know. She's like, yeah, no, I would buy from this one. I'm like, great. Let's go. I love it. I, my, so, I run things by my wife as well. She has, because she's just, doesn't have a marketer eye. She has a user eye. She has a consumer yeah. eye. It's very yeah. different. So I, I wanted to get into just one other thing here before, because we're coming up on an hour, just real quick testing stuff. Um, and, and to try to get this way down, maybe we can make this like a sort of a, of a quick thing. And, and so far as testing is concerned, I think the biggest question that I get asked all the time around testing is how long should I run my test and when should I turn it off? And like, we're not even talking about even getting into execution, but I think that that's something that's really important because one of the biggest gaps that I see in testing, the reason I bring this up, because I feel like it needs to be addressed is you need to, before you launch the test, understand the budget, understand the projected outcome and be able to afford all the way through the end and you can't even begin to analyze the results until you're outside of the learning phase because stat sig on a non on a thing that got out of that's never got out of learning that's competing with a with a giant environment is absolute garbage. So like I mean I have my opinion about it but I'm really interested to know what you guys think cuz my opinion I'll just say it very cleanly um and the test is over when you get a consistent result and you're going to establish is that consistent result better or worse than the worst option you have in your control environment. If you have five ads in your control and your winner is better than number three, but or better than number four, but not as good as number three. Great. Get rid of your fifth one. Drop that in there. You're immediately optimized. Move on to the next thing. But I'm looking for consistency and results against trend analysis against the one constant with my test. And if it's a winner, awesome. If it's a failure, awesome. I learned something. But I have no, like, that. that's just how I run it. I'm just curious as to see what you all think, having been in the game for a long, long time, because I think that's one of the biggest barriers is people just don't know what that investment looks like or when to call it. I see so many people say, well, I ran ads, and on day three, I had a winner, and I scaled it, and it worked for seven days, and it died. And it's like, well, the problem is you, 
and also the person that you're paying attention to on Twitter that says they have any fucking clue what they're talking about. Like, that's the problem. But I don't know. People hate me for that kind of stuff. And I don't get asked <laughs> to speak on stages anymore because I generally tell people, like, the reason your business sucks is because of your business model and your lack of education. Let me help. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that's neither here nor there. That being said, Colin, let's go to you on this. And then Barry, and uh, I would love to know what you guys think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, first of all, I think people should probably like if you want to actually get more aggressive about testing, this is actually something now that I'm hiring more people I can spend more time on is like really dive into actual like statistics, like math class um, and like building like what do you have to do to build statistically significant tests and you need to have that framework built out ahead of time. It's like this is the sensitivity. This is, you know, how many, like how long we're running it for. Because ultimately, like, if you don't have a set, like, size for which you're running something for, like, your results can, like, turn back around later. Um, So, you know, setting it at, obviously, like, bigger data sets are generally going to be better. And that's why, you know, it's a a good reason to, to work with the biggest possible sample size you can possibly work with. Like, you know, you get more results or more accurate results with a larger sample size. Like your ability to find like statistically significant data and like to higher like confidence intervals is better on a hundred million impressions than it is on a thousand. Um, So like from my standpoint, it's like biggest data set you can possibly get as affordably as you possibly can get and like have your sort of base case ahead of time and run it for that set period of time. You know, is it a hundred thousand impressions? Is it 10 million impressions? Like, what is it? And then work back from that. You, you can use like a shy square calculator if you really want to get into like heavy statistical stuff. Um, I mean, but Facebook does kind of all of this on the back end anyway. Right. Like, with Google, especially, like you kind of have to do all of this shit by yourself. But like, Facebook does this. Like, that's that's one of the, like the nice things about Facebook is you don't need to understand what a chi square test is. Uh, Facebook will just kind of do it. But like having a, a set, like a hypothesis um, and a set, like duration, budget, impression, volume, whatever that you're going to run the test for, I think is like one of the most critical things. You can't just be like, oh, hey, looks good. I ran it across, you know, 5,000 impressions. Great, perfect. Yeah, I ran this ad against 5,000 impressions against my Adicard audience. Clearly that's a good prospecting ad after three days of four sales. Cool. Very statistically significant. And this is like, you know, one of the big advantages of big companies and like it's one of the big advantages of like Facebook's platform itself is like, Facebook has all this data across trillions and trillions and trillions of data points, but like Mm -hmm. Amazon, like they can do incredible testing because they have the data set. Like, right. How is your like, you know, thousand visitors a day really going to compare to Amazon's tens or hundreds of millions? Like it's not, Mm -hmm. how is your small amount of data going to compare to Facebook's like truly massive data set that they have? It's not, it's the size of the data that's really uh, kind of the most important factor in all of this. I think that's very well said. And, and at the end of the day, it's fifth grade science class. What's your hypothesis? In some and states. You can't, 
<laughs> I don't want to get too political, but but uh, <laughs> I learned Fair that enough. some people I know didn't. Fair enough. I mean, I'm from Virginia, although I wasn't gifted and talented, and like I was, you know, in Mensa by the time I was seven. So give me like my parent, my my dad's a theoretical math professor after he retired as a computer scientist, and my mom's a, okay. <laughs> uh, data analytics person for the for the United States Army. It just it's inherent. It. Like yeah, my parents are both computer scientists, trend analysis individuals, based on theoretical so, mathematics and large. So you know, so you know R then is what you're saying. You're great with R. I'm, I'm pretty solid in a fair amount of the. It's just in the blood. You know what can I what can I say? Mm -hmm. um, but that being said, yeah, I, I really love that point because your test is only as good as the actionable nature of the output of yeah. the data that you get from it. And that's only valuable when compared to a constant. If you can't project your outcome, then your test is meaningless. Yeah. That, that's my bottom line. I don't know. Barry, I feel like I stepped on your toes there. I'm sorry. Why don't no, you, why no, don't you take us home with what you're thinking? No, no. I stepped on your toes about the – I was trying to get political for a sec. Um, <laughs> the – it doesn't matter. So the I, – I agree with what you guys are saying. But I, I look at something maybe a little different. And we talked about this on Twitter a little bit. I think, although I think we might have gotten our wires crossed. Um, it happens. I, That's why we're yeah, here. We're, we're, yeah, we're, we're talking about optimizing to purchase, right? If Assuming this is an e-com situation. Sure. Right? We're optimizing to our, our, our end of, you know, our main goal, right? Is uh, whatever we can, you should be doing. That. Um, typically, from my experience, uh, there is a, 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 a linear progression in the number of add to carts, to initiate checkouts, two purchases. It's not perfect. It's not always, but typically it's good enough. And I uh, am going to, I'm not going to wait until Facebook completes a learning phase of 50 purchases. If I can know that my add to cart after spending hundreds or thousands of dollars, whatever it is, the, the, the enough to have gotten X amount of add to carts to know that this ad is not generating enough movement to let it continue. I know the numbers to, for most accounts I work on, uh, I know what that looks like well before Facebook's completing a learning phase because there's way more data to Colin's point. You have way more data around add to carts than you do purchases. So it's not perfect, but I use that to be able to stop tests early. And I think, when I say early, I am definitely not talking about 5,000 impressions. You like whatever you were saying, like that's way too small. But typically, if I can get 20, 30, 50 add to cart conversions, I'm in a zone where I, know, I can look at the cost per purchase at that point and the cost per add to cart at that point and know if I need to turn this off, if I need to crank this up, or if I just need to let it keep going to get more data. Because it's again, it's not perfect. I'm applying the logic of what y'all are talking about, uh, but not as scientifically. And I, I'm very a, curious to hear your perspective. That's actually a great point and something that I, I talk with, especially people who have limited budgets. It's like, right. If, 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 then or like, or you, not just limited budgets, but have a ton of creative to test for right. a large budget. Yeah, it's it's like the further you go down the the sort of like conversion chain, the smaller the data set becomes. And so like if you have a fairly consistent relationship across the steps, right? If your your add to cart to purchase ratio is 
is relatively stable over however large yes. the data set is. Like right. you can look at the higher up metric because you have a larger data set, you have, mm -hmm. it's just like, it's better to optimize against because it's a better data set. Like you reach statistical significance more, like more quickly. It's yeah. a higher confidence interval. Like it's just yeah. a better way to do it. So that's uh, actually a great point. And one of those is that I say is like, we can't necessarily always get all the way down to purchase because you might not have enough budget to, to reach that. Yeah. But you can optimize on something higher up uh, and, and generally it'll, you know, follow the same rules. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, honestly, I feel like we're opening up a whole other thing and, and, and maybe what we need to do is just a whole separate show just on creative testing to get through that. Cause I know that Cody sure. Plofker was also wanting to get in on this thing. And uh, like, I, I'd love to know. Do, his do thoughts a little on math this class. Do a little yeah. Math yeah. Class so we can, we can really start to dive into it. I will say this. And, and look, we'll cover that in then maybe the next episode or something like that, because I feel like that's a whole thing. And I want to make sure we get, you right. know, uh, I, somebody was very much asking to be a part of that conversation. I want to have them here for it. Um, I don't launch creative tests with unproven assets. What does that so, mean? Great question. And I can't dive too much into this stuff right now, but I can say this. I will I will isolate my variables for my concept. So if I've got, say my concept is lowest cost and I've written 10 different sets of copy, 10 different headlines, have 10 different images. Sure. I will run those all with the focus. I'll run them all with the simplest bit of isolation that I can. And th that looks mm -hmm. different depending on the scenario that I'm in, obviously different budgets, different brands, yeah. different scenarios. But I'm ultimately trying to do is before I legitimately invest in conversion campaigns at scale. Yeah. I want to make sure that the assets, the elements I'm building my ad off of have a good uh have a good opportunity of getting me the best CPM and the best action rate that I can. So you I'll said often... CPMs are useless before. What, is <laughs> what are you talking yeah. about, Charlie? No, no, no. So, so here's the thing. If my ad, if I'm running five versions of a very similar thing in the in the variable in there's the headline. And I was talking with one of my students today. One of them was coming in at $3.20. Another was coming in at a buck 80 after thousands of impressions. I know that that one coming in at a buck 80 can have half the conversion rate. And it's going to produce like my unit economics of that thing having a chance to give me a desirable result because I'm matching Facebook's objective of giving a positive user experience is good. And I'd much rather generally when I'm conducting my creative tests, I want to make sure that I'm prioritizing the end user's experience. And then from that end user experience, I'm then making optimizations around which one of those things delivers me the best business results at scale in a stable fashion. And that end result has to be better than my worst available other option. So if my control campaign has, say, like I said, five ads, one running at 10, 15, 20, 25, and $30 CPA. Okay, just for the purpose of this conversation. In this conversation, I've got like one campaign with one ad set with five ads in it. For the purpose of this demonstration. Sure. The easiest way of making that better, well, let me say this. The most common mistake is that somebody will take that $10 ad, isolate it and spend to the moon on it. And then it breaks and they complain that destroying the stability of an ecosystem gave them an unstable result and the system doesn't work for them. Here's the much easier way. 
I need to find an ad that's less than 30. If I find an ad that comes in at 24, maybe my target's 18. And I'm like, well, this ad came to the 24. It can't be good. Well, in this blend, if I can give the, 50, the 10, 15, 20, 25, and 30, if I replace that 30 with like a 24 ad, my average cost immediately drops. Right. What I'm doing is I'm artificially suppressing the mean or I'm manually suppressing the mean by improving the quality of the available choices. And if you do that process, and that's the only moving, it's the only real fundamental change that you are making across the ecosystem is providing higher quality choices at a more desirable outcome in a consistent fashion, then you are going to improve your efficiency inside the ecosystem. Not only that, not only are you getting cheaper cost per acquisition, but because you're getting better and better at matching your ads to that audience, because Facebook's just seeing more high, like a higher volume of data, there's a compounding effect in reducing your CPMs because you're finding Facebook is finding a better, has more and more data to match your content to somebody that wants to see it. And then ultimately what happens is you get a more, you get a larger data set of more uniform users into your ecosystem, which ultimately funnels everybody into some bottleneck, right? Now, maybe that's the add to cart or maybe that's the registration page on some subscription product. But you find when you do like a nice Google Analytics uh, test of like they landed on this URL, then they, oh, sorry, they landed on this URL and then this URL and then this URL and then this one, you, you see that flow. And it's like 80%, 70%, 3% one. Like you can see that that drop off. Then it's just a matter of like, okay, well, I figured this out. Let me figure out whatever I can do to open up the floodgates on this one very specific bottleneck. And as soon as I open the floodgates, all my efficiencies improve. My, my, my volume increases because I've figured that out. And then I go back to the creative side and try to work on the supply of that traffic to find the next bottleneck overwhelm that bottleneck so that I can make small amount of tests to open that next floodgate and then repeat that process. And, and in my experience, I've done moved mountains with that. I mean, the most extreme example is with this company called My Life, which whatever, I, I was the director of growth for My Life. You can check my LinkedIn. It's not like a secret. Uh, I was director of, of conversion and revenue and growth for My Life. And we had a seven figure monthly revenue target right? And 5 million uniques. Like, I mean, we're talking big data, right? Now, this is obviously not necessarily the situation most people get to do, but like, hey, look, that was the situation. Now, somebody else that's been on this show was managing it beforehand, and they were struggling to make 3,000 a day work. Within nine months of me taking over, not somebody on the show, not like the two of you, but somebody's been on D2C Coffee oh. Shop. I don't want to, <laughs> you know, yeah, 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 not you guys. Uh, but within nine months, I was able to get their cost per acquisition from a 50 or $60 down to a 12, sometimes as cheap as eight. And we got the daily spend from 3K to 30 or 50. We got it to the point where what we legitimately did is we increased EBITDA by a million a month by cutting spend 30,000 a day. And it was an off the top improvement on the business. But that worked because we basically cycled through. We isolated the variable in the test. The creative, let's get this to the point where we cannot optimize the CPA anymore. Where's the bottleneck in the flow? Improve that bottleneck, widen it back up, find the next thing. Awesome. Now improve the flow to this more efficient system. And repeating, basically isolating wherever the break is. And then abusing the shit out of that break until we figure it out. And then going back to the, sor to the source. And then following it back through again. That cycle of over and over improvement, basically applying the scientific method to solving a problem repeatedly. Mm -hmm. 
allowed us to not only get better at our job, but I'll tell you, honestly, the ad we were running when we were at 50K a day was the same fucking ad we were running when we were at 3K a day. There was no fundamental difference in the creative. But because we were able to teach the system how to get a better result by targeting more by targeting a higher quality user. And because we were showing the system that our advertiser score was improving and we were basically reducing that mean, we, we, we cycled through four or five different types of concepts, but it was fundamentally a picture of a person and these words and this thing, like it, we weren't we weren't like doing a billion different kinds of concepts. But by just basically hacking the CPA and then figuring out the user flow bottleneck, breaking it and going back and hacking the CPA, when you launch that exact ad at $50 CPA account average, it's likely your next test is gonna come in around 50 bucks. If you can then improve your conversion rate from a 1.5 to a two, let's just say that, your cost per acquisition drops, let's say to 40. You rebuild the ad and you launch it, but yeah. now that ad is seeing a universe where 40 is sort of the mean. Well, that new ad launches with that being its life cycle. The post ID is now matching people. So your CPM on that iteration of the ad is better. And the conversion rate and estimated action rate of that ad is improved. And you're basically just training the system over and over and over again to get slightly better. And mind you, this took nine months, but it was like 60 bucks down to 55, 55 to like 52, 52 to like 49. Like it was fucking agonizing. Don't get me wrong. But like every week or two, we would get a dollar or two off. And when you shave that little percent, that one little Kaizen, that 1% change over and over again. And, and ultimately, like we were doing landing page flow, we were doing onboarding flow, we were doing all of these things, figuring out like, okay, great. Now we've hit a bottleneck where creative is not the solution. The new ad set, the new bidding model, that's, that's going to get us a 1% change. How do we get a 30% change because of the customer flow? And as soon as that 30%, boom, floodgates open, ramp up spend from five to like 10 cool. Now we're hitting a new bottleneck of budget and estimated action rate, but we can't improve it anymore. So we need to go back and recycle the ads and try to solve the next problem. And honestly, Do and I just want to chime in. I, I think that's probably the most important takeaway from a testing standpoint is like focusing on the right thing. And that's not the thing that it's at the 98th percentile. It's the thing that's at the 50th percentile. Like it's the bottleneck, as you call it. Like mm -hmm. the, the thing that is dog shit is the thing where you should be focusing the most because it can have yeah. the most impact. That's uh, why I, I always test shit. the, that's why I always test the color of the shirt in the, of the person in the ad. The biggest, <laughs> most important thing to test always uh, <laughs> is that. I, 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 Rounded I, corners I, or square corners on those buttons? Uh, my oh. skin <laughs> crawls. My skin crawls at the, the, the minutia of testing that want people want to do around me. And they don't understand. Not uh, that's not a criticism of anyone I've worked with. If anyone I worked with, uh, not a criticism. Clients uh, that that don't understand it, and they want to test, micro test things that don't matter. When they see me wanting to micro test things that do matter, it's it's so it can't even begin to explain. You all yeah. know, you get it. Yeah, I, absolutely. I think we've all been there. I, 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 and like, I'll, I'll finish with this real quick, just because we do have to eventually call it. Uh, we on when I was working at Three Ten Nutrition, we stole away a VP of like customer experience from Amazon, and the like. So what I learned in customer journey testing from this guy that was a VP of customer journey at Amazon, fundamentally changed my entire life. Like, like all of the stupid things that we thought was so important. He was like, I don't give a shit. I don't give, like. Like, it's just this, this idea of like, oh, a 5% gain is completely fucking useless. 
This idea mm-hmm. of like, oh, it's going to be two months until we get a win. This idea of just like this, this ma- the moving mountains. And, and look, we took that brand from eight grand to 30 a day, right? We took them like, that, we went from 12 to like 95 million, like in, in like 18 months. Like it was phenomenal. Uh, great hire. Although his dog and my dog got into it. There's a whole thing. Anyway, uh, oh, that's a whole other side. I think we honestly need to dedicate a whole show just to creative testing and to all this other stuff. I, like, Are you going to share what objective? Are you going to share what objective you use as a proxy for that technique? I mean, we can get into all of that. Like I said, there's different processes in this, right? Like in general, like I would, if I am looking to understand the efficacy of an action, I will optimize towards that action that I'm trying to measure the efficacy of to see ultimately, is this the most efficient way of driving this thing that is ultimately desirable to me that I'm going to then leverage to try to deliver a good business result. Now that could look like a million different things and each problem has its own solution, but in a general way to try to answer it in 30 seconds instead of the 40 minutes we should spend on it another time is I'm going to isolate the variable that I want to optimize towards. Mm-hmm. And try to make sure that I'm getting the best result for that thing. Mm-hmm. And then give Facebook in a dynamic creative the best choices out of everything to optimize best towards that needle mover to break that bottleneck that I'm facing. So the solution might be different depending on, and that's why it's not like a do this. It, it's very much like it's, there's a process and each situation needs to be handled differently. But it's ultimately, so, so where's the bottleneck? it's CTR, right? <laughs> It, it's never CTR. I'll say that. It's never CTR. Uh, but yeah, I, I, we could go on and on and on. I, I love this. And it, I, I want to leave it here. There's something a little like save it for radio and leave them wanting more. I feel like, you know, it, well, like a punk band 30 minutes into the set. Like, all right, it's time to get off stage. Uh, like we're that was your encore. In. That was your I saw, encore. By the way, I saw X, which was great, but they went on for an hour and a half. I was very happy with the 28 minute show. <laughs> and when I'm in it, because you guys don't know, I'm like, I play rock and roll. I've been in bands yeah. for a long time. Clubs have always said, why are you spending playing a 25 minute set? Why are you playing a 26 minute set? Here's my response to it. When the Beatles played the Hollywood bowl, they did 28 minutes. Oof. When I'm better than them, I'll play for 29. <laughs> and look, we get asked back. So like, that's my response to everybody's like, do you really want me here? Like I was trained on sitcom television. This is 24 minutes with commercial breaks. Like that's what we're doing here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, that, that being said, Hey, look, I really appreciate it. You guys, this was a lot of fun. We're going to have to do more of this kind of stuff. I, I really enjoyed it. I hope everybody else really enjoyed these things and big shout out to my buddy, Jake, who I was talking with Colin like a year ago uh, on something. I don't know if you remember semi-funny Jake Colin from like a year yeah, ago. Before my garage. Sure. He's chopping up all this stuff. So big shout out to semi-funny Jake for chopping these things up. I don't know if you guys see the little clips that are coming out, but he's yeah. now chopping all of this fun stuff up. So if you see anything in this that you like, whether you're paying attention to this show, whether you're watching this in, or either of you guys that you think is really great, timestamp it and I'll have them cut it up so that we can make sure to really isolate a lot of this. I already have at 28 minutes, we talk about CTR. At 35 minutes, the two of you get in an argument about it. At 46 minutes, we get into testing. At 51, we got LP testing. And at 59, we get testing structure, stats, and investment. And that lasts for half an hour and it's its own damn show to begin with. So yeah. with all Next that being time, said, we'll turn it around and I'll, I'll do math equations on the whiteboard. Oh, I love it. Ooh, I love it. I love it. Let's get into it. Okay. With that being said, hey, look, I appreciate everybody uh, for jumping on this show, for watching all of this an hour and 20 minutes into something that's maybe not even supposed to be an hour long, but hey, look. 
we're here, we're having fun, let's do it. That being said, Colin, uh, where can they find you? If anything you want to promote, just let me give you 30 seconds to make sure you get uh, anything that you wanted to say out. Just follow me on Twitter at uh, CJ Slattery. I have uh, some threads and some hot takes and uh, complaints about Google. So, uh, you know, it's it's always a good time. There you go. What about you, Barry? Uh, follow me on Twitter as well. Uh, or um, Bing Hot on Twitter. Barry Hot is my name. BarryHot.com. I'm also starting to collect a bunch of weird .coms related to the space. Uh, AdExorcist.com is something I now own uh add roasts.com i don't know if i'm going to use any of these but uh i'm starting to collect some and then uh, also yeah also find me on uh on youtube where in the next few weeks i'll be starting to promote some more uh some more fun content you can hear some more hot takes tm uh there i love it i love it and drink ranch water (laughs) get some lone river ranch water bro drink up i'm wearing specific about lone river Lone River, not that other swill. I'm wearing I'm wearing two craft beer nerd things and drinking a hard seltzer, so you know it's actually good. <laughs> there you That's go. There you go. Uh, my name's Charlie at CT Disruptor. You probably know that by then. Uh, this is the brand I'm launching right now. I hope you guys dig it. Nice. Um, and with that, I'll see you guys on the internet. Thank you awesome. Thanks so much. much. I appreciate Thank you. it. Peace. Bye. See ya. <laughs>